Right, you're very welcome back to uh, the football show, 90 minutes here, and it could actually be going longer uh, for this episode. Uh, I am delighted to be joined on the phone today by Richard Cahill. Now, Richard is currently on the committee of CDSL, and he's going to be telling us all about fundraising. But first of all, Richard, I want to ask you, where does your soccer how do you say roots begin when it comes to Clare and its football and how you made your way to the executive? Oh my God, that's a, a, that's a long and lengthy story. Uh, my roots in soccer probably began, I was in Mel's Park when at Lone Town had a famous uh, game against an Italian side that a lot of people reveled in the, the 70s. And that's probably when, when my interest in soccer began. Um all through uh, my my youth and early years, I moved around. My father was involved in building power stations with the ESB, so we moved from from Dublin to Kildare to Athlone to Middleton and Cork to uh, to Ennis, finally, uh, and then uh, I ended up in Six Mile Bridge. Didn't play an awful lot of uh, adult uh, football myself. That's through injury. I had an unfortunate accident many, many months ago, which meant I really shouldn't play, play competitive football, like back surgery and all kinds of things. So from a, a playing perspective, I don't have a great career uh, in soccer. But uh, from a, a management side, uh, when my young fellas got to the age of playing, I was always on the sideline. That was both from uh, GAA and the soccer perspective. And uh, soccer is where I've, I've ended up. Um, I managed Unretta Cracklow for a number of years. And I thought I'd retired, to be flat out honest, having managed Unretta Cracklow um, and uh, kind of sat back. And just pre-COVID, I got a phone call from one of the players who had played for me uh, in Unretta Cracklow to say, that Fern Celtic were starting uh, uh, the first junior team ever and it was the 20th anniversary of the club and they had actually initiated their soccer careers with Fern when it was formed 20 years previously and when I come along and look at uh, a group of lads they pulled together for, for a junior side and reluctantly I went down and I met a bunch of lovely, lovely lads and I kind of said, sure, I couldn't say no um, and there we go. Um, the rest is kind of, 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 of history. And I'm aware you're going to talk to, to Alan Murphy uh, about that, so I'm not going to steal Alan's, Alan's thunder. But I'm, I'm delighted to say my career in managing uh, uh, soccer teams is I've never managed a team going down. I've only ever managed them going up. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sometimes we're the skin of my teeth, but there you go. Yeah, but it's it's the the fact that I think everyone that has soccer at heart has some form of involvement of involvement, whether it's going back to their own playing days, either management or they have a son or a daughter playing football. And, you know, you have that connection, you kick every ball and being a manager, being there, uh, worn the T-shirt. It's it's not easy, Richard. It's not an easy gig, you know. Oh, it's, 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 it's a tough, tough gig. It requires massive commitment. Absolutely massive commitment, but I've been a fan of the game all my life. Uh, I actually was a season ticket holder in, in, in Lansdowne Road, uh, and, and I used to sit beside, of all people, Mikey Kelly from Limerick. So, oh so I had to tell you, he was he, he was there with his club and I was there with mine, and uh, we, 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 we had many a chat, if you know what I mean. Uh, and from, from that perspective, Mikey was a lovely fella. Um, uh, do you know what I mean? But... but uh, 
that's that's soccer through the eighties and nineties um, when when uh, when Ireland were were on, in heady days, if that makes sense. Uh, so certainly far headier than they are at the moment. But say pants sword all that. <laughs> well, it, it well it certainly did, and of course the breaking news this week with the Nations League is that we have the old enemy again. Uh, coming up, and you weren't by any chance at Lansdowne Road the night of, I'd uh, just say the the disgraceful scenes really that 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 occurred that night. You weren't up believe there. It, believe it or not, just purely by luck, I missed that game. I had a family function on and and couldn't go to that game, and that was the only reason I wasn't at it. And thank God. Yeah, thank, thank God. God. And let, let, as I said, the rough, horrific. No, I, I was I was at the I suppose the most recent friendly up in the Aviva against England, but if, uh, I think it was held at twelve o'clock in the afternoon, and I remember I, I got a ticket by pure chance from a, from a gentleman who lives in the Mount Shannon area who happens to be English, a big English fan, and uh, but he's he's made his home in Ireland, and I remember he rang me and he said, "Would you have any interest?" And I said, "Sure, why not?" And in fairness, um, you know when the English fans when they're out in numbers and they're boisterous and they're supporting their team, they're, they're a very colourful sight, you know, and uh, which, is, which is great. And we hope that, as I said, that side of the game is shown when we do play them in the upcoming Nations League. But listen, uh, what did I want to say? I don't want to be going down rabbit holes as we tend to do on the, on the show. Um, Clare and District Soccer League, who came up with um, the whole development of what is now currently known as Frank Healy Park as such? Is it, is it a committee venture or was there one or two, let's say, bodies that decided this is something that we need to do? So I suppose the need to advance Frank Healy Park is extremely obvious. When you look at the demands, you look at the requests to use it, uh, and, and it just can't facilitate it. The other notion uh, that, that, that people are very aware of, and I would have been very aware of in, in, in my first year uh, on the executive, while still managing Fern, um, looking for locations to, to train as a team, and being aware that even for the little leisure astroturf inside in Clockley, inside in the middle of a housing estate, there's actually a waiting list of teams who want to book that. And it's not it's not fit for use for for an adult team to 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 train on, so so there there isn't there isn't enough uh, suitable training training venues for the number of teams that want to use them, uh, and certainly when when you get to the stage where you have uh, I suppose early GAA season uh, teams doing pre seasons etc etc looking for astroturfs it, it's just bananas. So the, 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 there's a massive need for uh, for greater facilities. The other thing uh, that, that we're acutely aware of is there's been a request for floodlit games, Saturday evening games and for midweek games, etc. There are actually only three floodlit pitches uh, in in the county. Um, and uh, Lee, uh, what, uh, uh, Frank Healy Park is one of them. But Frank Healy Park has to be, to a certain extent, because it's the county grounds minded for... Uh, finals and for 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 if uh, uh, one of the uh, teams progresses in the Munster Junior or as Mans did last last week or the weekend before, needed it with a home venue because their own facilities weren't up to the the standard required for Munster Junior Cup uh, quarter and semi finals. So so it has to be kept in good nick so it's able to host those type of things. So you have to limit the amount of people that can use it for other things. And I suppose. We were very 
acutely aware of the demand and that it wasn't meeting demand. So how do we address this? And there was a think tank put together and there was consultations uh, done um, and there was all surveys pulled uh, with regard to what people wanted. Uh, Dennis Hines, the, the FAI rep, had done a survey a number of years ago and published the results of that and we had looked at those results. Um, and it was a combination of that and just chatting to people um, uh, around the facility as to what they'd like and what they perceived as the needs, etc. And uh, I suppose the development plan evolved out of that. Uh, what's what's needed and what, what's achievable? I want to... Well, what? listen, as I said, it's look, everything is developing so fast uh, from an infrastructure point of view in our daily lives, whether it's a service station adding a fast food, um, how do you say, restaurant or whether it's automated, um, how do you say, you know, how do you say pumps to even ordering your food? Everything is getting more automated. And I suppose into the how do you say, into the future, even with the, the, the talk of AI and all these different bits and, bits and pieces. From a, from a, just give us a, a quick summary of basically the fundraising activities that you hope to pursue for the current year. So the, fun, the fundraising for the, the current year, we decided um, whatever fundraisers the league would take on, they would also have to benefit the clubs because at the end of the day, the league belongs to the clubs. Frank Healy Park belongs to the clubs. It doesn't belong to the, the CDSL. The CDSL is just a representative body of the clubs. So the notion was that a rising tide would have to lift all boats so that if we were plugging into to fundraising, uh, uh, plugging into the clubs to do fundraising, we'd have to do something that, that could greatly benefit the clubs. We put together uh, the notion of a last man standing because that's, I suppose it's the bread and butter fundraisers uh, for soccer clubs. Uh, and we said this is something that people would be familiar with. We brought that to the clubs in August and we were there, there was a slight reluctance uh, and we were asked to go away, revisit and think about it and come up with alternatives, which we did. And we spent three, four months, uh, a working team of three, um, and we came up with three different uh, fundraisers, the last man standing, as I've previously spoken of, uh, and two other uh, fundraisers. And we invited in the chairs and secretaries of all the clubs just after Christmas, and we presented uh, a lengthy presentation, which was the development plan, where we intended going. Uh, the video that you've seen and you've spoken of, uh, and is there on the CDSL website, or the CDSL uh, Facebook page for anybody to see, that... Uh, Outlines where we're at about expanding into the, the, the recreational land, developing two more pitches, building a suite of ladies' dressing rooms, changing the existing pitch to 4G so that it can put up with the, with the use that people want to make out of it, becoming carbon neutral, um, uh, putting up photovoltaic panels and, and uh, LED lighting, uh, and getting the lighting up to, to the standard uh, that's needed. Currently, the, the lighting level on Frank Healy Park pitch is about 80 lux. It's supposed to be a minimum of 200. So that'll tell you that, that uh, there's, there's a lot of improvements needed. So we presented all that to the clubs, and then we presented the three fundraisers. And the meeting uh, strongly expressed the opinion that uh, the the chosen fundraiser should should be the last man standing competition. But they asked that they could bring it back to their clubs. Uh, 
and they did. Uh, and we asked them to come back to us within a week, uh, uh, replying to an email if they had any objections or whatever. And the, the feedback was extremely positive. Last man standing is where we were going. And we were on a tight timeline for the simple reason that, uh, as you're aware, as everyone who's ever been involved in the last man standing, you need a number of weeks of fixtures to run it off. And uh, we were looking at that timeline saying we had 14 weeks to run it off if we set set with these dates. So we launched. And that's that's where we're at. The joy of the last man standing is if you take each ticket costing a tenner, um, the split on that is the club gets 450 The league, or the, the development of uh, Frank Healy Park, or the, the county grounds, whatever title you want to put on it, um, gets €4. Euros. And the remainder, which is 150 goes to um, uh, the running of the competition and prizes, etc. And is so, it is it that, let's say, is it a kind of a matching funding proposal that's that's on the table? Let's say, as in what, what is it? Is it grant aid that will be funding the majority of the plans or so, how is it? How is it going to work? Let's say, for example, if the if let's say the the clubs you were saying that there's about in and around 300 tickets per let's say per last man standing that's that's required by each club yep there was and um so yes it is matching it is matched funding there, there's no doubt about it. there's no way uh, the league uh, even <laughs> even even with superhuman effort out of every club could uh, could afford to take on a project like this without grant aid so we have we currently have a grant approval in place since pre-COVID, since uh, the 2019 round of sports capital funding. Unfortunately, and this is common throughout the, 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 the country, uh, unfortunately, it was a time of high inflation and COVID, and nothing could happen. We couldn't engage in, in, in any fundraising to do the match funding, etc. Uh, and the project, because of, of uh, inflation and inflation in the construction industry, the project uh, became, I suppose, unviable to a certain extent. Um, and we had to regroup and rethink, and we had also had to try and address the funding gap between what the project was now going to cost and what the grant aid was. But we had 60,000 uh, granted to us. We still had that available to us, and we're going to, to spend it. We're in a negotiation with the department uh, in, in Killarney um, with regards to that and how we can make best use out of that 60,000. Um, we have subsequently applied for a regional grant. Now, a regional grant is uh, something that only a, a league could do or a, a county body could do. And that opened the door to apply for up to a half a million in funding. And we have applied for, I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but we've applied for, I think it's for close to 490,000 in funding. Uh, and what that is to do is to uh, put a 4G pitch in place so that Frankie Park will be available to teams whenever they want it. Frankie Park has not had the team on it, bar Manus, for the, the Munster Cup uh, game uh, since the end, of, the end of November, right through to now. There's been one match. And that's just down down to weather. Yeah, but the, so we the weather has been has has been atrocious. Rich, I'm going to bring Luke. I'm going to bring Luke in. Absolutely, but but the problem is the demand is still there. Of course, no, 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 still, no, no you know absolutely. What I mean? So we we have we have to address the demand. If you know what I mean, and and four G is about our three G is about the only way we can 
um, and uh, the, the committee decided this is the way forward, put in a, a 3G pitch. We can then hold matches and, and irrelevant of the weather, uh, Frank Healy Park is an asset there for all the clubs to use. And with the regards to grass pitches then, we can still have grass pitches because uh, we are uh, deep in negotiations uh, and I can't I can't uh, say too much in that because sure. uh, it, it would be wrong with me. It's a negotiation going on between our negotiation team and uh, the person selling the land. Uh, and uh, all I can say is it's, it's very close to being closed. Um, uh, the land is going to come our way. Uh, and we will have grass pitches in in that new location, if you know what I mean. But so, Frankie Park or the County Ground will still have uh, grass pitches. Um, Richard, but, uh, Richard, could I uh, just come in there for a minute? Um, yeah. The 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 total plan that you have is to be done in stages. I take it. You know, we'll say uh, the the. the the, the, the Astros is one part of it and then there, there there is further development you know if the land becomes available and stuff what at the minute is the proposed or estimated total cost of this have you have, you, have, you, have you figures cost of of, acqu- of acquiring the land uh, changing the 4G pitch building dressing rooms is approximately 850,000 Okay, and you've said that you you have potentially fifty or sixty in, uh, available we to have, you. We have a we have a grant aid of 50, of sixty thousand. We have some cash on hand, and we have an application in for a half a million. Yeah, um, that we are we are relatively positive of, and everything is going to be uh, dependent on that grant. But yeah, the half million, the half the half million grant isn't. You don't get the half million per se. You get uh, you get maybe eighty percent of it or eighty five percent of it, and you have to come up with the, with, with the remainder. If you know what I mean. So we're 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 fundraising now to be in a position to make use of the grant. Yeah. It's ma- it's match funding is basically was what you're looking to to raise. Yeah, you can use you can use yeah. the word match funding. There, the interesting thing about Sports Capital twenty twenty three is um, they didn't announce the total amount of the fund. They said they'd wait and see what was applied for. So it's very hard to know what proportion it's going to come out at. And we just we just have to wait and see. Yeah. Um whether we get seventy percent, eighty percent, ninety percent. We just we just don't know. Yeah. But um it was decided that, that, that fair soccer needed to put itself in a great position to, to make the most of that. Yeah. Would it, to be would in it, a position then for, for the next round, sports capital comes out about every three to four years, and the next round in three four years time <clears throat> will be available for the the developing the grass pitches. Yeah. So you know what I mean? It's 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 it, it, it has to be done in phases. Of course, it has to be done in phases, uh, and it, the phases will be lined up with the grant aid. Yeah, and w- would it be fair? You know, give give or take uh, a, a small amount. You're potentially talking about the clubs in Clare raising three hundred thousand. Is that an, an accurate enough figure? Give give or take. Is that an accurate figure? I no, I don't think it is. I think it would be, it'd be uh, considerably less than three hundred thousand. Okay, uh, but well, but if you're talking potentially half a million in uh, sports capital, you've sixty in the bank. You've said the total cost of the project could be in around the eight fifty mark. Are there other avenues but, of funding that are open to you? 
there's a leader. The next round of leader is due to open, and we've been speaking uh, with with leader on on on, on granting some of that, uh, and uh, they've invited us to to uh, send in a letter um, uh, indicating that we 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 have a wish. So you know, it's it's there, there will be other avenues of funding open uh, okay. to us, uh, but we have to apply and we have to wait for the funding uh, funding rounds to be announced, etc. But there, there are always rounds of funding uh, coming up. Um, for example, uh, I was I was writing up a grant application on behalf of the league uh, last night with Clare County Council uh, about environmental. Um, uh, environmental issues. Um, I can't remember the exact title of it. I would have to go digging through documentation. But you, you're always hearing of sources of funding, and as the grants officer, I have to go and investigate those and see what's available and how best to position portions of projects to capitalise on the, on, the on, on that aspect of a grant. For example, the the this environmental grant uh, from the council, we're looking at. Uh, we're looking at uh, changing all of the electrical fittings inside the existing building to uh, LED fittings and, and low energy fittings, and again trying to make uh, Frank Healy Park. The intention is that Frank Healy Park will be a net exporter of electricity, uh, a, a micro generating station, for want of better words, rather than uh, an importer. Uh, currently, the, the biggest cost we have is electricity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if I, I mean, if, so. yeah, I I understand uh, that. So if if I go back to my figure, then we'll say uh, I said three hundred thousand. You're saying it won't be near that. What what are you re, you know realistically expecting the clubs in Clare to come up with? And do you think it's it's fair that all the clubs have to come up with you know give, we say for what you're talking about with the last man funding. Uh, like I'm just thinking of the sort of rural clubs and we say Mount Shannon is probably a smaller club I know there are a few other smaller clubs up would say West Clare as well that have they to come up with the same as we'll say the likes of uh, the clubs in around Dennis and also clubs that are in the second or third division what opportunities are they going to have to use Frank Healy Park we have every year there's a league cup there's a, uh, a league cup final for every division and sometimes two depending on whether divisions get finished uh, early or not, sometimes they run two league cups. Uh, I've, I've only ever managed in the third and second divisions, and uh, I've had teams out in Frank Healy Park, I'd say, on seven occasions, eight occasions. So there you go. Uh, lower division teams absolutely do get to, to use Frank Healy Park. Uh, all playoff games are held in Frank Healy Park. So, you know, that, that, that's, 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 uh, that's a, a nonsense for one of the words that. Uh, clubs don't get to use Frankie. No, I, d- I didn't say that they don't get it, but I said, uh, are they going to have the same opportunity as we'll say some of the clubs that might be up in the Premier, uh, you know, competing in um, other competitions as well? You know, I, I, I wasn't calling it as a nonsense. I, I, I understand. Yeah, no, no, I, I, hear, I hear you. Well, you can, you, you could look at at Manus, second division team uh, in the the latter rounds of the of the uh, Munster Junior Cup, using it. Uh, Fair Green will probably be using it similarly. Um, do you know what I mean? Uh, again, second division club. So the answer to that is yes, it's available to all. Um, the biggest issue at the moment about it not being available is, in fact, the, the state of the pitch because of weather, because of, of winter games. 
Um, that's the biggest the biggest issue. Uh, put in the, the, the AstroTurf pitch where there's no limitation regarding uh, the, the pitch getting cut up, etc., etc., and it becomes more and more available. And that's why we're looking at this, to make the asset available to the clubs that own it. Um, so, so uh, again, you know, you've, you've, you've. Uh, I, I'll go back to my days managing Fern, where we needed to get fixtures uh, uh, played, because we all know uh, the, the the pitch that Fern play on. <laughs> it's affectionately known as the slobs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so we ended up having to rent uh, a Hill pitch and and whatnot. You know, and, and again, depending on the time of year. That may not be available because the demand on it is huge. Yeah. And so, so, this, so this, these are the, the so this is the asset that we want to make available to the clubs. If you know what I mean. And anyway, we we haven't set anything in stone, but the conversation is that it will be kept on a Wednesday night for games that need to be played. And, and Wednesday night is the logical one because there's a seventy-two hour rule about guys playing uh, amateurs playing games. They have to have a seventy-two hour break between games. So. Further to be a break from Sunday, it has to be Wednesday, and from Wednesday it has to be uh, to Sunday, if you know what I mean. So Wednesday night is the ideal night to, to play uh, and get rid of, of, of fixtures that, that need to be played and, and can't, or where there's a backlog, etc., etc. So it's it's the issue with, with, with Frankie Park not being available uh, to clubs is down to more the grass pitch, not being able to put up with the need, the, the, the use that's required. Uh, so we're, we're we're looking we're looking to address that. Uh, with regards to your other uh, the other point you made, uh, as I said, the, the three hundred tickets uh, per club is based on experience and it's based on uh, clubs that I've been with and clubs that that other people have been with. And we're talking small, low division, lower division clubs, uh, and they've hit the target of three hundred quite easily. Uh, so we said three hundred was was a reasonable target. It is incentivized to sell more tickets if you're a bigger club. But it's incentivized in a, in, in a balanced way. <coughs> there is a, a prize for the, 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 the club selling the most tickets pro rata to membership. So if you have 20 registered players and you sell 200 tickets, it's 10 tickets per player, if that makes sense. There you go. Similarly, the same ratio will be calculated for take one of the big clubs, Shannon Town or Avenue or whatever, who have 50 or 60 registered players. It's calculated on the number of tickets per registered player. Okay, well, that's fair. That's so, fair so there's, there's, yeah. there's an incentive there for people to sell more tickets. Okay. By the way, and this is anecdotal, there is one individual with one very rural club who has reported to us that as an individual, he himself has sold 90 tickets. Excellent. Well, that's good to hear. Well, you, you know what, Richard? You you always have uh, people that can do certain jobs really well. I'm a very very bad ticket seller. I wouldn't sell a raffle. T- I prefer to clean. I, e- I, I prefer to. I. You have well. You have it. You have a. You have a lovely. You have a lovely saying. Um, what to call it in the, your promotional piece when you were narrating, let's say, the development of Frank Healy Park, and you said 
not a urinal in sight. And that was that was something that grabbed me straight away because I've had to clean a urinal many a time and I would prefer to clean a urinal than sell a ticket, believe it or not. That's just but that's just <laughs> but that's but that's just but that's just me and my my other walk of life, so to speak. Um, Richard, I, I admire you for the dedication that that uh, you obviously have in relation to this project. It is. It is like climbing um, one of the mountains in the Pyrenees as such. Um, lads at meetings will always go, oh, Jez, that's grand, that's grand. Some of the lads will kind of put their head down as kind of going, listen, it's just it's nearly nine o'clock. I'm, I'm heading back home now and I'm not <laughs> going to say anything now because it's going to extend the meeting and I'm going to get eyes from across the room kind of going, Jesus, Johnny, did you have to say something? We were nearly out of here. And you know what I'm talking about. It's the typical kind of thing. If, for example, right, I'm not being devil's advocate because I'm very positive about all the promotion of soccer. And that's the reason we do this podcast on Scarif mm-hmm. Bay Radio. Um, if if clubs don't uh, come back with the required numbers and bits and bits, because the deadline is very close on the fourteenth of February. I mean, is is there going to is there going to be a kind of slap across the wrist? Is it going to be a case of lads? We're going to have to we're, we're going to have to extend the deadline or start it. What what do you re- is there a plan B? There isn't a plan B. Uh, the, the agreement at the last uh, delegate meeting was the clubs take the tickets and do their best. But it, the, the, the appeal was to genuinely go out and do your best. Don't make a mockery of yourself by saying yes and, 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 and then not giving it the effort. And we, we, we can see um, what clubs are, are working and what clubs aren't working. And it's, it's, it's remarkable because the tickets are coming in. We know what clubs got what tickets. And and uh, the, the the computer system is just kicking up, and we know we know where they're being sold and where they're not being sold. If that makes sense. So, um, uh, with regard to there being retribution, I don't think there's going to be any retribution, etc. Clubs clubs not engaging in this are actually just letting themselves down because it's a massive fundraising opportunity for the club itself. Uh, uh, the attraction of a six thousand euro prize. Um, I I I. I uh, Believe it or not, I sold a ticket to Brendan Ogle. I don't know, would you know who I, Brendan Ogle is? Yes, the, the absolutely. The Union guy. Yeah. I have Brendan Ogle's ticket right in front of me here. <laughs> ticket uh, number. Uh, yeah, but here, but hold on, but Richard now, in fairness, like he'd be on a decent salary now. He could afford it. Is he retired now? Is, is he, he not retired? No. What's your man? What's your man that's in the Europe? Uh, what's uh, our, our our lovely XGA uh, gentleman who's oh, over no, in, that, in Europe? That, that's a politician. That's, Sean, that's Sean Kelly. Talk. Sean Kelly, you're getting mixed up. You're the wrong man. Yeah, Brendan yeah. Ogle. Brent, Brent. Is a good union <laughs> man. <laughs> I will. I will be talking. I will be talking to Brendan Ogle, and I'll mention that you mistake mistaken for Sean Kelly, yeah. and I'll give him your phone number. <laughs> Tommy, you'll be seeing Sean Kelly come around in the next few months. The Euro elections oh, are in June. So, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Richard, we know that you have a football arrangement over in Shannon tonight, so we don't want to keep you because, as I said, you're very good to give us the time, and as I said, you're really fitting us in this evening. I really, really appreciate it. You know, because as I said. It's it's only down to the people that we get in to be interviewed to be able to make a show like this, and we really appreciate yeah. it, and we really appreciate you uh, putting the time in to promote uh, Clare Soccer and also this this very ambitious project over in Frankie Park. Delighted to 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 uh, to engage and any efforts that can be made to raise awareness. Uh, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Uh, everybody wants soccer in Clare to improve. The facilities in soccer in Clare to improve. One thing that people have to realise, 
and I said this time and time again for the last number of years, Clare have had two of probably the top ten teams in the country playing in Clare, and that's between Avenue and, and, and Newmarket. And it's been remarkable that that you've had that kind of level of soccer being played in Clare. And I suppose the, 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 the awkward question at the end of it was, Newmarket Celtic were supposed to play, they're supposed to have a home final for the FAI Junior Cup. But because Frank Healy Park wasn't up to it, it was moved to Jackman Park in Newmarket. That was the, I suppose, the, 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 the moment where the sort of Damocles was let go. We've, we just have to get something done here. Well, listen, um, we have we have to drag it into the not, not, not into the future, into modern times. Well, hopefully, that's, we w- that's, listen. Well, uh, Richard, listen. Hopefully, it won't be kicking and screaming. We'll be dragging it. But listen, we, we, it's we, we have it's, to. Genuinely, we have to, it's not. The, the feedback from the clubs is absolutely brilliant. Uh, talk, talking to 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 various people. All you do is go on various clubs' Facebook pages and look how they're promoting it, etc. It's 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 very positive. It's very positive, and the attraction of the the big prize we have a, a it's a guaranteed five thousand euro prize. We have six thousand budgeted, but we because of licensing laws we have to go through the court system to get a, a license. But that court hearing isn't actually happening until next Wednesday, uh, so we couldn't we couldn't advertise the the bigger prize. Um, but we've guaranteed the five thousand. Uh, and and the bigger prize when we get our license next Wednesday, that's what will be paid out. Yeah, well, but listen, I, there, I, there you go. Anything to adver- advertise and promote uh, soccer in the county? We're all for it, and hopefully, uh, it, you know, from listening to you and we'll say the presentation that you have, I think your heart's in the right place with it, and it's probably long overdue. We wish you the very best of luck with it, and no doubt we'll be talking to you again, hopefully in the near future, with uh, you coming back with good news stories about the successful first round you've had. And how you're looking forward. Do you know to what? We might we might bring you down. We might bring you down to to to, to uh, turn on the new lights when they're when they're installed. How about that, Richard? You're you're the best. Listen, thanks a million for joining us tonight on Scarif Bay Radio on the Football Show. Delighted. Thanks for the opportunity. God bless. Now, it's the 90-minute Clare football show. Could be going an awful lot longer than 90 minutes uh, for this episode. We're delighted to be joined now by Robert Clancy. I suppose, Robert, I could call you Mr. Kilrush Rangers, really, because I've met you at many uh, Clare and District League soccer meeting, and uh, you're always there, a bit, a bit like myself over the years. Well, I suppose it tends to happen that the same people from you know the same clubs... Um, he was just the same two or three guys kind of out there year after year. So, yeah, I have been there uh, from day one. We were formed in 1977 under the name of Leadmore Rangers. And uh, I was a, a very young teenager and I played on the very first team. And I have been there ever since. And can, I'm going to ask the most stupidest question possible. And I'm, I'm, I, I tend to be, uh, I tend to fall into the trap of stupid uh, elements. Leadmore Rangers, was That's there an ice cream, cream company of up there in was, that Tom, d- Tom, do you not know your clear history at all? Of course there was. Out the road to Kilkee. And is that, is that the reason they were called uh, Leadmore Rangers? Um, well, I, there's a small bit of a history to the name that we did. You're correct. Lead, Leadmore Ice Cream uh, were uh, uh, very well. Uh, uh, a factory making ice cream that sent ice cream all over the, the, the country uh, back in those days and had been there since the 60s 
uh, no longer in, in, in action, but uh, the, obviously the name Leadmore came from the area where the factory was based, just as uh, out on the Kilty Road there. And we were hoping to play our home games in a place called Leadmore as well, just a small bit down from the factory. And uh, it was a very good man there, a very generous man by the name of Tommy O'Dea. And uh, he allowed us to use the pitch and would never take a penny, you know, and as much as we tried to give him. Uh, and he had a very large family and everything like that. And uh, But no, he wouldn't take a penny. He said, look, he said, the lads can go down and watch if there's something, there's something for him to do. Uh, so that's how we got the name Leadmore. Of course, there was a small bit of... Um, there was another soccer team in, in Kilrush at the time called Kilrush Town. And they had been kind of in and out of the Clare League, uh, you know, during the 70s. And were mainly based with... Uh, um, GA players and they'd be given walkovers every now and again so uh, we kind of decided that we'd better stay away from the name Kilrush really and so we came up with the name Leadmore Rangers but late that was in 77 when we started but in the 19 for the 1980-81 season uh, a few business people in town came to us and said look you should change the name to we'd, we'd put Kilrush in the name and we could kind of do a bit of a sponsorship deal and uh now, at the meeting, there was, I can remember quite well, there was 18 people at the meeting, and uh, in favour of Kinrush being at it was 16 uh, for and two against. Um, now, I was one of the people that was against it for the simple reason. Um, the man that was kind of pushing it, I'll be very blunt and say, I just didn't trust him at all. And uh, he was a, 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 a Dutch guy, had come to town and kind of he disappeared shortly after. But the name, uh, we, we stuck with the name Killers Rangers, and, uh, and it's, we think it has a nice sound to it. You can't, you can't deny that, all right. So, listen, can I ask you one question, Richard? We'll say your current status at the minute, uh, club wise, number wise, and we'll say uh, potential for underage structures or numbers, we'll say, that are in, you know, we'll say you're in a rural, well, you're rural enough, you're, if you've, you've the town up there, all right, but you, as we all know, rural depopulation is sort of rampant all over Ireland, and there's a fair amount for doubt here as well. So, how are you fixed from that point of view? Um, well, we, we in the Premier Division, uh, obviously, you need a good, strong team in the Premier Division. We This season, we have been struggling big time with English. I, I've said to McClare a few times, you know, we'd want to go away some weekend to go to Lourdes and get the, the team blessed. Or something there. Every day, every, every week, there seems to be somebody getting injured. So our numbers aren't great. Um, but at the same time, it's, um, I want, it's, it's, it's an issue that has been there from day one. We live out in West Clare. You know, uh, people, there isn't people coming to uh, West Clare to live or to work that much. Uh, people come, usually tend to work maybe at Money Pint or something like that, but they would live in Innes maybe or even further repair, you know, even coming across from Kerry. So our numbers are small and ours have been. We've never been kind of, you know, with loads and loads of players, like, you know, so what it's there. And the same way we're bringing on young fellas, say when we used to have the U team, we bring young fellas out of it, and you would have them. Say for a season or two, or maybe three, and they'd be going to college. And fellas, it says, "Oh yeah, I'll be home every weekend," like, you know, and things like that. And then, you know, college life kind of a Saturday night can be a bit better than say, nightlife in in West Clare. So you lose those kind of people. But it's a kind of um, an issue. It has always been there, and it has a, an issue that we've always dealt with. You know, when you think that you're getting near and maybe a good squad of players. Next thing someone says, well, look, I'm off to England and going to America, Canada, or, you know, these uh, places that people just travel more now than ever. So it has always been, uh, um, immigration from West uh, like most of the, the county, has always been high. So it's, it's, it's a situation we 
know what it's there and it's never never going to get you know sometimes you might get a season or two and you'll be doing okay and then you lose a few players and you just have to go back again looking for players and you know if we, once we had when we had a youth team it was nice to be able to pick out the best youth players and, and you had them for a couple of seasons until the, the wheel turned again and you had to go but um, uh, we're there since 77 so that's uh, we're, we're pushing near and near uh, our 50th so and we've never dropped out of the league even though we've had some very very lean times uh, so we've never dropped out and we're quite proud of that fact that we've never dropped out even though with numbers very low and maybe not great teams from time to time so we're uh, 50 years uh, you know it's a fair old land not to reach so hopefully we will reach just that nothing will happen between this and three years time yeah no I mean 50, 50 years is, is, uh, is an incredible landmark um, I'm just thinking about all the times that I would have travelled over with Mount Shannon to Kilrush we always used to dread having Kilrush in the league because of the haul over and of course it, it went both ways coming back over to Mount Shannon or Scarif, uh depending on the year it was we had the, the first the, I would just say the time that we would spend would normally have been in the first division and yourselves would have been there as well and as I said we've only yes. spent a few times up in the up in the Premier League there was a player I, I don't know his name but back in the day Mount Shannon and Kilrush have, have similarities in the sense that we would have always had the same stock of players kind of year in year out you had a very consistent base of players whereas some of the Ennis side and even Shannon sides you'd have players going to different clubs and bits and pieces but Kilrush always seemed to have a really good stable diet of players and the same players year in year out there was a there was a player who he was always on your team sheet every time we we played uh, and I remember one year he had a kind of he had a moustache and he was a kind of a centre midfielder, very, very, he was, he was about five foot ten. he could play in the back line, he could play in centre midfield, but he was there for years, and then he, he would come to meetings as well as a representative of the club. I, do, I don't know his name, but he's a player that, like myself, would have been there, uh, as I say, week in, week out with the team, you know. Have you found that over the years as well? Yeah, we have, we've had a, a small group of what probably you can describe as kind of sticky kind of guys. No matter if you were beaten by the market 6 day last week, they'd be out on the training pitch Tuesday or Thursday night again and waiting to go again Sunday. It just didn't kind of, um, uh, it just didn't bother some of the lads that were meant to play the game, meant to be involved with the club, and they stuck at it time and time again, like, which was great, like, you know, that if you kind of get maybe a three quarters of your group that have that kind of mentality, you know, you, you don't fear for those guys, you know, that they'll be there, they're committed, and hopefully, you know, the few fringe guys that you could maybe convert a few every season to, to into that kind of mentality, but uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you, we, we did have down through the years, a small group of very loyal players, like, you know, and uh, as I said, it didn't matter if we were beaten or if we won, it just, you know, it was the, the um, the enjoyment of, of playing for the club and, you know, getting a, a kick out of playing soccer, like, it was as simple as that. And you seem to have very, very good facilities. Are they the uh, Clare County Council's facilities, let's say, next door to where the pitch is? Or is it, is it something that was developed recently? Well, um, as you know, Tom, probably uh, when we had played on the older pitch, which was kind of, the school kind of had a clear on it, but we played on it and uh, it was, a hill up and down <clears throat> something like the, yeah, the hill yourselves there in, in, in Mount Shannon at one stage as well and um, so uh, we were playing there for a long time and then we were trying to 
you know, we were going to meeting after meeting with the council and trying to get this uh, sports complex, as we call it, off the ground. And it was going on for a long, long time. And we seemed to be getting nowhere. And then all of a sudden, kind of, we kind of, say, Money Point, who would, the school by team, would have a pitch on the top. And we used to stay up there from time to time. But it was quite open and very wild. Yes, so we all got together. We, we all got together. The school, the council, money point, and we kind of said, "Look, if we all put our resources into the one hat and have a go at this," and the council bought into it, and so we they developed the perfect, perfect playing field. You can play in it, you know, fifty-two weeks of the year. There's no fear of the pitch. It's always, always dry. And so we had that, and then with the, uh, the school gave another portion of their land across the road, where for it's about a three-quarter size soccer pitch, astro pitch, which is great with light. So it's uh, there were big, big um, you know Im- improvements as far as we were facilities. We you know we often trained in car parks and you know put up one floodlight on, on, on a pole and trained on that, and trained with with lights of cars on and things like that. It might sound awful, awful ancient, but we did, and it didn't deter fellas. Fellas just Thought, look, that's it. That's our best for tonight, and we'll go go with it. So when we got the extra stuff, it was fantastic. The lights, no, so big life, an awful lot easier. And when we had the pitch, so now we're trying to kind of push on for uh, the plan has uh, is there for dressing rooms as well, which are badly badly needed. Yeah, I know the facilities in Clare have certainly improved over over the years oh, for, God, yeah. for for yeah. lots of, for lots of clubs. As I said, we were changing out of yeah. the back of cards beside ditches and everything. Let's say going right back to the the eighties and nineties and two thousands. But listen, um, you you it sounds like you have a very good relationship with the other clubs in your in your area. You mentioned Money Point there; they'd be more kind of underage, wouldn't they? They would have had junior sides as well, but they're more underage today. Yeah, they, they, they did have, um, say, when say, the money point the station said was at its highest, so when the numbers were really high there, they did have their own team there for um, maybe two or three seasons. Like, you know, was, it was a group of guys that kind of just wanted to play the game, and as they got older, there was nobody to come behind them. Sure. But then they started the school by team, and they had oh, great success and great, great you know, people, you know, that teams from under 12s right up to 16s like, you know, and, and still have uh, a great group of people. But we have a great uh, um, uh, understanding with them and things like that. You know, they, it's, it's, uh, it's merely say it's a foreign club. Like, you know, we, we all know one another very, very well. And if somebody wants something, you know, you just go and ask. There's no big deal about, you know, having to ask for anything. Or if we can help them or if they can help us, it's there. Like, it's, there's, no, there's no big deal about it. We have, to, we have to cooperate with one another because you'll find that... Um, Guys that played with us that are now retired are now uh, looking after the money point on the age, the underage yes, section, of and uh, their uh, children are playing as well. Like you know, and so uh, it's that's the circle that you'd like to see keep going. Like you know, and to keep the the, the, the game on on the the, the 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 top of the thing with, with us. Like you know, because if you don't have young fellas coming in, like you know, you'll struggle from time to time if they if you don't get them. But there's there's no magic wand either. Said just because you have young fellas coming through, that'll all happen to you. It's uh, work has to be done. You know, you don't get two of these things without working and and without having people that are willing to work and put in time and effort into it, season after season. And do you find, let's say, when it comes to, let's say, the footballing community, as in the Gaelic football community, I mean, you've you've got, that's such a, let's say, a big part of that part of County Clare, like the hurling would be on our side. And I mean, would you would you find that players are, are struggling to, to be able to play both from the commitments of both sports? Um, 
you know, at certain times of the year, obviously, there's a pressure put on, on players uh, that would be playing a bit of soccer. This, you know, uh, once the GA starts, it, it did, like you're playing GA. And there is still kind of that kind of mentality, oh, if you don't play, you know, you can't go playing soccer and things like that. But guys try their very, very best to, uh, you know, to make sure that they're given board codes uh, a fair bit of uh, time. Like, you know, obviously, sure. there'll be times that, come that, that you can't, you can't be in two places one, at one time. But, but yeah, well, it does. There's no kind of um, the kind of shall we say the badness kind of feeling that was there from from, from from years back, you know, isn't there. Some people just kind of don't see that the sense of the soccer being there. They would prefer if we disappear completely like that, you know. But uh, I think if people are playing games, if I was manager of a GA club and if I had four or five fellas playing soccer for the winter, getting fit and you know, knowing that the club is being there's training, there's matches, you know, it's organized, it's it's done properly. You know, that fellow if he wants to play GA during the summer, he'll have, he'll be a lot chopper. He won't have to be running him up and down hills for, for hours and hours to, to get him fit. Like, you know, he will have a certain level of fitness anyway. So but no, no, there's, there's the guys do their best. Do their best. It doesn't always work out, but they do their best to to, to get it, you know, to keep everybody happy. Not easy and it probably will never be easy, but they do their best. You know, it's it's that's all you can do at the end of the day. And let's say, would you have a, a vision for for Kilrush Rangers going forward now? From from a point of view, would it be Premiership kind of status, maintaining Premiership status, or is is it mainly to have a really good, healthy club with with lots of membership? Um. Well. Oh, the aim is always for every club I suppose that's not playing in the Premier Division is to get there. And yes. once you get there, then it's uh, say for the smaller clubs, and I would describe ourselves as a small club. Um, to stay there is is, is it's, it's hard to get there, and it's equally as hard to stay there. Like, you know, because you're up against teams like we've all you know all seen the market avenue, the Shannon teams, Bridge United, and those. They are big, well-established clubs, and. Uh, it's 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 you know they the, the have the players and, and, the, and the always will have the players and always will have the better players like you know whereas we might have said maybe two or three players that we would consider to be very very good players and this maybe good players but those teams will always have the the pick of what's going like you know and it, it's I won't say it's easy but it's a lot easier when you have a pick of players and you know from from places like that but uh, I would like to, to see the club uh, progress into being. A well-established, you know, uh, I can't see us winning the Premier Division uh, every two or three years or anything like that. But I would like to see us be competitive uh, in the top division and to stay there as long as we can and to develop players and, and make sure that you know, people in the West, West Clare generally, that people, if they're interested in soccer, that they can come and play with Kilmish Rangers. We don't, we have quite a, uh, we've, um, say, a couple of lads from Dunbeg. Jeff from Kilty, Jeff from Clare, and we've always had that couple of players from outside the town that have come along and and, and have always been very welcome, and they get stuck in with us like in the and the you know that it's just no ill feeling just because they're not from Kilroy or anything like that. We 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 take the players and we get on well with them, and then helps the whole thing. Jeez, if, if I was a younger man, I'd nearly move to Kilrush. That's a, that's a bit of an advertising in itself. I, I've been nearly accepted over in Kilrush. Luke, you want to say one final thing? No, I was just going to say, it, it, like, w- that mentality is sort of great to hear in a way because, um, you know, it's a little bit like, we'll say, Mount Shannon here, you know, playing Scarif, but they, they sort of, you know, get players. Soccer wouldn't have been as established over here with the exception of Tulla. But now, you know, we'll say you look at East Clare, you, you've, you've Kilkish and Tulla, Mount Shannon, and we say go, 
bit further we say Bridgetown as well you know so there there is a, it's like it, it is the world game as the man says you know and uh, the, in East Clare West Clare it's great to see it sort of uh, surviving and hopefully thriving long into the future so we wish you the very best of luck Yeah well it's it's, it's a tough tough going there's no doubt about that like you know but if you have people you know that are willing to put in time and effort and uh, I, I would just have to say too like from a, a sponsorship point of view people of the whole West Clare in general have been always very, very good to us. Like, you know, we have we have a thing going there at the moment, and we've had it for a couple of seasons. We have uh, we get our matches sponsored, you know, and uh, we're like, I, I came up with the idea first because people used to be saying to me, you know, I'd like to do something for you, and they'd say straight away, oh, well, I can't sponsor a set of jerseys or anything like that, no, something small. So I came up with the idea and said to them, look, we sponsor a match, but we just sponsor sponsor a match, and uh, they said, oh yeah, yeah, and now people want to do it. You know, people have said, geez, I must be due to sponsor a game. Uh, you know, so they've kind of bought into the thing and it has made things a lot easier as well. And, uh, you know, things like that give you a bit of a boost uh, and keep you going as well. Well, this is a great idea. It is a great idea and it's a little bit like the shop that you have up there as Tesco say, every little helps. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It sure does. It sure Robert Clancy, listen, from uh, Kilrush Rangers tonight, Mr. Kilrush Rangers, as I was told, oh. we're, we're going to be speaking to Michael Clare very, uh, how would you say, very soon uh, to talk to about uh, talk to him about the team. He's manager of uh, Kilrush this year. Uh, thanks a million for joining us here on the football show here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. Thanks a million, Robert. Uh, thanks very much, Tom, and uh, I'd like to say hello to all those people down there in, in, in that part of the world that I meet from time to time. Um, so it's great and best luck with, with, with the show. Well, listen, you're, you're, you're a bit of a legend down in these parts as well. They all know Robert Clancy. Oh, well, well, well uh, okay, I'll go so before you say anything else. <laughs> Good luck, Robert. <laughs> No, Tom. What can you say? I'm trying to catch my breath. We've got loads of characters uh, yeah. on this episode of the Clare Football Show. It's definitely going to be more than 90 minutes, I'd say, for sure. Well, we'll see. But we're going to play a song. And and you're, I'm going to ask you to pick a song, just because we need a break now before you start to try and line up our, our, ne- our next guest. Oh. What, what's happening in the music world these days? I sort of lost touch around 2009. So, uh, we'll, You know what? We'll play Dua Lipa, um, Houdini. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how do you say that's the most played track on on radio at the moment and it's only 69 cent if you go to iTunes all right so we'll play probably less than 69 seconds of Dua Lipa so yeah, here she's you, probably going to go. she's probably going to get her an award in the Grammys or Oscars or that whatever was at the Grammys were but she was on I know but she was on the Barbie movie okay yeah big yeah. hit from that as well yeah sorry. dance the night away or something so, sorry about that sorry. right we'll be back in a minute Oh, Tom, that was Dua Lipa, apparently. That new news to me. But from Dua Lipa, we're going to go to uh, the hollow grounds of Fern Celtic. So take it away. What a great name, Fern Celtic. Where did it ever come from, a name like that? We're delighted to be joined by Alan Murphy, who is the manager of Fern Celtic's uh, junior team. Um, Alan, thanks a million for joining us here on Scarif Bay Community Radio on the football show. How are you doing? 
I'm good, Tom, and thanks for uh, contacting us. No problem. We've we've been speaking to uh, Richard Cahill already this evening in relation to uh, the CDSL and fundraising and all that good stuff. Uh, Richard was a, a former, I suppose, uh, manager in Fern, and you are the current A team uh, manager. Um, are you long in existence? I suppose we want to start at the very beginning. When did Fern actually get established when it came to junior soccer? Uh, to my knowledge, so I'm involved uh, two years with the junior soccer uh, setup, uh, being the B manager last year and uh, the A manager now uh, this year. But I'm pretty sure I stand to be corrected, but I think it's three. This would be our third season, possibly our fourth as a as a junior team. Um, the, would you have started in the in the in the third division and then are you yeah, let's say moved it, up? It's that. That's the lines of protocol to follow, like when you're, say, for example, Fairgreen Celtic, who are now in our division and the second division, they started last year in the third division. Uh, some people might look at that as, uh, you know, you have a team that could very well be first division or, or uh, premiership quality with the players they have. But you you do, as I said, have to follow the lines of protocol and you start at the, at, uh, uh, the lower division. Which is, you know, I suppose, in my opinion, it's 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 not a bad thing. Like you make your way up gradually, like Avenue did in the eighties. There, they went from one division to the other. I suppose the more you start going up, you start appreciating what every different division is, and and you have a more appreciation of the achievements you you have as you go along the way. It's no, it's a very important as in uh, being there. Bought the t-shirt, starting the third division, and as I said, it's a it's yeah. a different ball game completely. And even when you step up, you've got a different level of refereeing as well. And then, as I said, you 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 look on at the at the players playing in the Premier, and you say, Jesus, maybe one day I'll be up there with the lads and and whatever. There's a there's there's a passion involved in how do you say local soccer, but also uh, you're a bit of a Leeds United fan. Uh, well, there's no such thing as a bit of a Leeds United fan, Tom. <laughs> you know, uh, you're, it's either like anything else, it's all or nothing. Uh, no, look at my, if I just talk for my, about myself for a second. Sure, absolutely. Because you asked, my, my love for the game came from uh, that great Leeds team of the late 60s and early 70s. I'm showing my my, my vintage here now, but uh, nearly 60 in April. But my first ever... Um, my first ever soccer game that I saw was Leeds winning the 1972 FA Cup and uh, Alan Clark wore number eight. My name was Alan. I was eight years old. It just made total sense to follow that team. Of course it would. So that's, that's where my love, uh, that and growing up in Hermitage, I have a great go still to this day from Hermitage. I'm not long gone from there. Hermitage had very good teams uh, back in the 60s, competed, uh Passionately and very competitively uh, against the the Liffords and the St Michaels of the time, and uh, were in many high cups. Sadly, the only one won. But uh, I watched, you know, family members and neighbours playing for Hermitage there, and uh, subsequently I ended up uh, playing for Hermitage. Uh, started off with a Navan Celtic team, in uh, uh, which would have been the CSSL of its time, but it was called the Clare Juvenile Soccer League. I started at 13 and uh, made my way onto a Hermitage Jutes panel that I didn't see much time because they were so, so good, the players on that team, and then went to the B team and then played for the A team. And then I moved to America and started my own team over there. Oh, um, very good. Yeah, I, I did. I, start, I, I, I 
uh, as most Irish lads around the area did, I ended up playing in the Bronx League in uh, New York. And because I was living in New Jersey, it was uh, uh, quite a travel to go in and out. And sometimes, if depending on how your games went, you weren't coming out straight after the game. So um, uh, I was stationed in New Jersey. Uh, I was asked by, I worked with all Italian lads. Italian American lads, and they didn't. They were big into baseball and stuff like that. Okay. But they asked me. They knew I was playing soccer. Um, they said, um, "Would you coach PAL, which is the Police Athletic League right. that they have in many many of the towns there?" And that's where I started my coaching. And then I just I just wanted to start my own team, which I did. Which I'm glad to say is still going to this day. And many of the younger children of the parents who were playing on our team. One of them is now running the club over there in New Jersey. That's great. I mean, uh, I just think yeah. I've, I have a good friend over in uh, what well, he did live in Chicago and he's now in Phoenix, but he would have played for um, Chicago Celtic. And at the time, right. he said the yeah. league that the, that was very much ethnic orientated. So you had a you yeah. you had a Mexican yeah. side, you had a, an Irish Scottish team. You had, exactly. Yeah. You know, there wasn't much of a there wasn't much of a mix. You kind of aligned yourself to a certain community. You'd, in fact, and just to echo that, because New Jersey is like only, you know, it's 20 minutes, 25 minutes from the George Washington Bridge, which leads you into New York, like, and because you're in an area like that, there is many ethnic backgrounds. And the first year I can remember in 1988, we played, we were the only Irish team, but we played uh, teams that were predominantly Italian. Um, El Salvador was another team that were from El Salvador, uh, Jamaican and the German-American team. So it was very much uh, uh, an, uh, an ethnic uh, uh, league. And uh, gladly, OK, we finished fifth the first year and we won the league the next two years, something we were very proud of. I was going to say you nearly had, you could have had your own World, World Cup, uh, but uh, but you won something, so therefore Ireland wouldn't have been competing in that competition. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, by, well, about the 90s, I, I suppose, we'll say, uh, were you still in the States come 94? I was, and I paid 300 euros to watch, or 300 dollars. We actually got a club, uh, we bought it through the club. So there was, I will tell you exactly now, there was three, we paid three and a half thousand dollars for 10 of us to go to see the Ireland Italy game. And, uh, it was well worth it because I never thought for one minute, I thought, you know, growing up with the Irish teams we had, although they were very good with the Johnny Giles, of course, I have to mention him, but Steve Highway and all, Liam Brady and all of them. Then they always fell at the last post in qualification. But I never thought I'd see an Irish team in a World Cup, let alone to be at that event, and then to see them beat Italy with a tremendous goal. It was just so worth the money, and I will never forget the atmosphere in Giant Stadium, which was about 20 minutes' drive from my house, where I was living at the time. It was a phenomenal day. It was just fantastic. Yeah, it's a re- it was a real. I mean, it was a real carnival buzz, and of course, you have the the Italian Irish connection there as well with families yeah, and so forth. So, yeah. across, so, myself and Luke are, are are how do you say have been big MLS fans for for many years. Uh, right. I I I go back to my first jersey with uh, the Chicago Fire getting. I can't remember. I think it was the very first time I went to Chicago, and I and I fell in love with the place. Luke is more a Bostonian right. now. Luke is very much uh, how do you say the New England Revolution. You know, so we all. Often right. have it. We often try and keep tabs of what's happening in the MLS. Do you miss it? Because it certainly was taken off. Let's say in the states in the last since Beckham it, arrived well, and so forth. It's a lot more. 
like um, when I was there, the New York Red Bulls didn't exist. They were the Metro Stars that were called, and they were predominantly Latino. Uh, and that's just the common fact of what they were. And it was in its infancy, and because it was in its infancy, like I would watch any football because back then you were starved of soccer over there because it wasn't a prominent sport over there. Like I, I to this day, I love the NFL. I used to go to the NHL, and I love the NBA. I was a big Boston Celtic fan, a huge Larry Bird fan, and uh, I got to see live from a court. Like I saw them playing. But as it grew, and you're dead right to say that, actually, I cannot get over when I watch some of the games now, or the highlights of the games, the amount of people that are in the stadiums there. It really has taken off. Like, I, I would say it has taken off more in the last 12 to 15 years than even after the 94 World Cup. It didn't take off. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason, I don't know why. Maybe bad organization. There wasn't enough teams. But the way they have organized it and split it up into different conferences, as they would say over there, and uh, the way they allow maybe the top six to qualify for a playoff and stuff like that, it's it's probably more exciting for an American audience, I would say. Yeah, I, um, I, th- I, th- course, I think yeah. I think it's probably, uh, you know, it's a topic we'll come back to and talk about on a non-clear football show because it really is interesting. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're dead right because the first game I saw over there was in 2008 and I've never been as cold in my life. <laughs> Foxford on a cold March evening is not the place to be if you want to watch soccer but the quality has improved and I think the structures that they have around it have improved and you know you, you went from when it started to the vast majority of clubs uh, if memory serves right um Oh, there was one club that had their own. The crew, the Columbus crew, had their own. They the were Columbus the, crew. The, yeah. the crew were the only team with their only with the soccer specific stadium, and that was maybe like fifteen, sixteen thousand. And yeah. now they they have now gone on to their second stadium. You know, so they yeah. it's progressed. That that's it's just an indicator of how the game has has changed and developed. And you would have had maybe three teams that weren't playing in NFL stadiums, and you now only have about two left that are. You've Seattle and Revolution, and the Revolution have been yeah. have been buying land in Boston for the last twenty years. But that's another story. Listen, we better get back on topic. We'll talk about that another okay. day, Tom. Okay. Yeah. No. Listen, uh, Fern Fern Celtic, right? Um, second division this this season. Yeah, second division. Um, they were we were promoted the first year, so we call it uh, two years ago. And last year, it went to the last game of the season for us to stay up. I remember because I had I I was involved with Avenue for twelve years as uh, schoolboys, and uh, so as were the lads, my my two boys who uh, now play for Fern. Uh, but it was uh, it was kind of a, a sad, a sweet uh, victory when we actually it was Avenue we beat. Last year, about three minutes to go, and it was my son that scored the goal to keep us up into the league. And uh, subsequently, and unfortunately, Avenue were going for a playoff spot, which we denied. But you know, we hugged afterwards. And yeah, bittersweet, you know, a bittersweet it, moment. It, it, yeah, yeah, because I spent some time there. I, 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 as I say, like I have a great bra for Hermitage. It's where I'm from, um, and I have. Uh, uh, equally a great call for Avenue to this day because I was there for so long and it's you know it's like when you're with a club you just it, it it branches off it's not just about the coaching it's like even if you don't have a kid in it like you meet so many other people like and you you have a, a whole new circle of friends uh, so to speak and uh, uh, one or two enemies I suppose along, along the way as well. 
Yeah. Oh, well, look, that's that's listen. That's the nature of competitive sport. And when when your own kids start to play, then there's a different cycle that begins. And as I said, you're you're there yeah. kicking every ball from the touchline, and yeah. you know it's it's um it's like everything. Time goes so quickly. Um, your let's say the season so far. How's it been? Okay, so it it's a bit of a mixed season, but it's it's uh, at the moment we're. Uh, again, so to speak, on track. So we started um, with two uh, shield competitions, and we did quite well. We we didn't reach a final, but um, I think uh, a compliment to the uh, CDSL is uh, starting a shield before a league because you know when you start, regardless if you have the same players you have on your team from last year, there'll always be one or two that will leave, go to college or work commitments, and you bring one or two on board from other teams. And it's a great opportunity for you to see the new players filling into positions where the older players are, are the lads who played in, in that position before left. So the Shield was very uh, beneficial to us more than anything else. Uh, not saddened at the fact that we didn't win a trophy in it. It was, it was, uh, it was a whole building uh, exercise. And I think we benefited off, uh, from it. And it showed at the start of our uh, league that we, uh, we won our first game. We drew our second game. Uh, the equaliser was scored with about three minutes to go, but we were on the right track. And then, for some reason, uh, like my beloved Leeds United, when December comes, <laughs> it doesn't suit us. Uh, but uh, so we did. We did. Unfortunately, we had three losses in a row. But we've started the new year now from January. Uh, we we like to start early with the training, and we've started with uh, a win again against Avenue. Very good. Uh, we had we had a draw down at O'Brien's Bridge, which is a difficult place to get a result, and I'll take a point any day, and that's all due credit to the lads below there at Bridge Celtic. And, uh, of course, my old club, we we just uh, had a 3-0 victory there at the weekend against Hermitage. So uh, another bittersweet one, but, uh, you know, one of necessity at the way things are going with me personally. I'm just saying, you know. Sure, and uh, look, uh, that's that's listen, that's that's not bad. It's a, not a bad start to the to the new year. Tell me if there was if there was three players that you would say would be the ones that you would write down on your team sheet uh, every week in week out for various reasons, whether commanding centre back to a top class goalkeeper, um, not to as I said. Uh, how do you say isolate any other players within the within the team? Right. Is there is there three is there three players that would be standout I, players for you? I I if I could answer that with um not because we've a, we have a squad of uh, twenty eight players. No, we don't always have twenty eight players as you as you would well know on a on a Sunday. Like we average about sixteen to eighteen players. So to pick out three. Out of uh, and especially at this time after a team, we've gone uh, three games without defeats, uh, two victories, and three clean sheets. I, I, I would, I would like to answer it this way by saying that the three sections of the field, defensive, midfield, and strikers, we call it, are the forward line. And there is, there is too many players in each. And I'm, I'm not sitting on the fence here. I'm actually even factual. There's too many players in those three areas of the field to pick out one. What I will say is we're very vocal from our goalkeeper out. Our goalkeeper's a very vocal, very experienced, very good goalkeeper. And we have a block of a back line that to pick one of them would be unfair, wouldn't be the right word to use, but I just, it would be difficult. And also with a mixture of youth and older players' experience, 
is 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 creeping in really good with the with the team at the moment. I don't want to be cursing ourselves with a cup game coming up on Sunday now. But yeah, there is there's about six players actually I could pick out, possibly nine players I could pick out. But I I I I just think as a squad like we're functioning very well at the moment. And who are you who are you playing in the cup? We are playing Tullaby out in Tulla, uh, and a great place to go. Fine facility, very well run, and the fields are really very good fields playing. And but you'd be in a shout with a shout in that particular game, definitely. Um, I don't want to be disrespecting anybody there. Now I have too many friends in Tulla, Kevin Barry, and all of them. So ah, yeah, but unless you were unless you were going to a Premiership side, I mean, first and second division on any yeah, given well, day I, can. I, yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way: we didn't frown when we saw the 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 draw. Okay. Like I'll put it. Uh, let me put it another way: Shannon A was our cup draw with the B team last year, and we had to go down there. So that would be one of the reasons I didn't frown. Yeah. No, absolutely. And tell me, yeah, um, yeah. who's? I, I'm going to ask you the, a question a different way now, right? Your captain. Who's your captain in your side, and why is he your captain? Okay, so our captain this year is Liam Meany. He plays in the six. Uh, he's would be categorized. He'll choke me. He would be categorized as an, as one of the older players, but definitely one of the most. Uh, uh, now, let me rephrase that: one of the senior players. He's young at heart. Uh, That's what you were saying. Young he, at heart. He's no, but he's he's he's. Um, we 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 talked about it as uh, coaches and manager, and we just felt that uh, there was more than 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 one. Uh, in line for being a captain, but Liam is uh, very solid, uh, very solid in his fees. He's he's very together, um, very seldom raises his voice, but when he does, it's for a purpose, and it's not to yell at anyone. It's to talk directly to him and remind him more than yell at him. Uh, he's a good lad, um, and he's actually a fine player as well. So, like you take in all of that, but. Uh, I think a main um, factor about being a captain, I was one myself uh, when I played, I think a main factor is, is, is how you react in a, in, a, in a situation like, say, say I'll give you an example. We played at Brian's Bridge, as I said there, uh, last Sunday week, and it was a really good game. It was a very competitive game. We were on top for, you know, I would say the best part of the first half, but in the second half, they hit us. And they hit us with corner after corner after corner. Now I just mentioned the the block of a black line we have, uh, and we're comp- we were complimented afterwards by one of the O'Brien Bridge players. But Liam would be the man I would say the odd time talk to him, talk to him, and it's never let's Jesus Christ. We have, excuse my language. I'm sorry. He would never say lads. We have to clear. We have to clear it. He would rather say this is good. Let's keep it going. You know stuff like that instead of when some players, not all might uh, go into a small bit of a panic like he's very good to relax players. So level-headed, uh, and, uh, level-headed confident and uh, a thoughtful person on the pitch as well as being a absolutely. good player on the pitch. And, and, and confident but not cocky, which is, yeah. which is very important. I, it's fair, just looking at the league table, um, you've eight games played and you've, you know, you've, nine, you've nine scored, nine conceded. So, like, you're, you're, you're you know, I, 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 could, I take your point when you talk about, you know, you've a solid team. You know, you yeah, know, you're not you're not conceding big. You know, you might okay. You might be huge, scoring huge amounts of goals, but we'll say you're not sort of conceding three, four in any one day either. You know, so you're you're going to no. be competitive every game you step out onto. 
Yeah, I think it's important to point out that the top two teams, uh, well, they're, like they're, we we are fortunate. We're very fortunate to play in what most people in uh, Clare Soccer would say is the most competitive league out of all the leagues in um, junior men. Um, you, you, if you can see that table, you will see there's nothing between bottom and third where we are. And we, I know, I know. Look, it's nice to look and see that you're third, but you also have to look and see who's right there. Like there, most of the games are one goal games, one goal victories. Now we have lost to the top two, and we've lost by more than one goal. And uh, I actually don't think we scored in, in those two games. But I will not make an excuse at all. It's just they're two fine teams. Like they're two really good teams. They're playing very well at the moment, and you know. As you know from being involved yourself, like not every Sunday you're going to have the players you want to have, and unfortunately, uh, it does happen a time when you're playing a big game you don't have some of the players you want. But as I also pointed out, we have good backups as well. Like you know, so it's it's all in the day. Like you know, it's it's the look of the draw. Like, but uh, I'll go back to what I said about our three previous games, and that's what we're working on now, and that's what we're looking at going forward. Well, you're definitely in the mix coming towards the, 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 as you say, the important part of the season now and then coming into the end of the season. Just a, yeah. a quick word on uh, your underage, um, how would you say, oh, yeah. the, the system that you have with, with Fern. Um, I'm involved, let's say, in the school girls and school boys with Mount Shannon. Right. And, uh, you know, Fern have a really well-established uh, youth setup. That's right. Um, okay, so as I say said uh, uh, initially I, I, I'm only two years with the club uh, I, I, I moved, I sold my house in Hermitage and moved out here about two and a half years ago and uh, I talked to you briefly today about uh, when I was asked to get involved I said, look, I was four years away from soccer, I, I wasn't going to commit to anything so I went from uh, in inverted commas, helping out the D team to be the B team manager to now be the AC manager and I'm acting chairman for the club at the moment because uh, uh, that's just the way it is. So it's all or nothing. But as regards the underage, and the reason I've mentioned that, the reason I've mentioned that is the reason I got so, I suppose you'll call it, heavenly involved when I was only going to be casually involved is when I came and moved down here, first of all, and looking at, say, the setup, like there's, over 250 players in the club. Now, if you think of where we are down here in Ballier, like we have the, the local church, the school with an astrotop out the back, we have the community hall and we utilise the basketball court for uh, underage or underage purposes. Like, But I couldn't get over how a club in, okay, it's a rural club, but how many people were involved and how well it was run I mean, like, we have girls ages from under fours up to junior women, inclusive. We have boys from under fours up to under 12s, and then there's a gap to junior men. And we're we're in the process of working on that gap because, you know, in fairness, like, we would need an under 17, a youth team to feed, for want of a better word, the junior team. But some of our underage players, and the girls in particular I'm talking about, have made... Um, county squads like and I'm not quite sure of the number is it one two or possibly three it could be two have made League of Ireland squads this is all coming from Ballier and you know I think it's great credit first of all to those individual players and uh, the support of their families but also the club needs to be acknowledged for the part 
they play in that too. Because, you know, I'm a Tony. I've always been a Tony. I'm going to let it slip now. My father's from Charcastle. There'll be villagers with torches <laughs> outside the door now. <laughs> but, we, we won't hold but it against you in East Clare. Yeah, yeah, you're grand. Old, it'll be like an old Frankenstein film. They'll all be outside with the torches. That's all right. You but can run over I, to I did find uh, that, you know, a fan Celtic, like, you know, albeit that it's a, it's a rural club, but it's, it's very much a local family club. And but we do have players that will come from anything up to fifteen miles of a radius to play with the club. So you know, as much as it's your a rural club, like our numbers have grown and continue to grow. So you know, what we would like to do is to you know develop a proper academy with a greater number of coaches and the environment that's in keeping with the needs and plans that we have. And uh, whereas we have uh, a great relationship between coaches, players and families, like, uh, and a great sense of a, a, a club community, if you will, uh, the proper facilities now, you know, we need to, they need to come into the equation. And that's, that's for another, uh, if, if I could just explain, could I just say one more thing? Sure, absolutely. On the, on, on the club, uh, Tom, please. Yeah, no problem. So, like, we are exploring, like, uh, every avenue, you know, like, Sports development grants and and FAI funding and stuff like that, you know, Churchgate collection and stuff. And 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 this is not this is an observation. Oh, it's, it's not a criticism. Like, but you will know. And God God knows, I love watching Tony Kelly. But uh, hurling is the thing down here as much as man. It's below in Castle and, and that's great. That's great. So uh, that's our goals going forward. Like you know, uh, in fact, we 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 had officials from the FAI come uh, last year just to have a look at the club. And uh, I'd have to say our committee put an excellent uh, presentation. Uh, they put out an excellent pre- presentation uh, that night. And subsequently, Fern Celtic have been awarded an FAI One uh, star. It's a, it's a club mark, which acknowledges a, a club development, uh, say our committee structure and meetings, our accounts, uh, uh, our uh, finances uh, and our club insurance and it's a testament to the club like uh, the committee itself is very small there's no uh, egos in the committee we meet once every three weeks and um, it's to the point it's what we have to do but like whether you're a club secretary a team manager a team coach a, a club parents involved a treasurer a, you know um a child protection officer, like we all have the one goal, like every club has, and it's the you know it's the development and the progression of uh, younger players, and some of them will go far afield and they'll go to hurling and they, and you know that's par for course, but sure you know it's like any other club, like it's when you're involved in it, it's the most important thing is the development, and it's not just the physical side of it for the kids, it's the mental side of it, and I think. In a, in a, in a, in a, uh, a group situation, and again, I would say whether it's hurling, whether it's anything, no matter what it is, it can only be good for the development of, of, of the minds of kids. And, uh, you know, if you come in a few games and maybe a medal on the way, then it'd be great. Uh, the FBI are actually returning, uh, at the end of this month to, uh, present uh, some of the undergirls teams with medals that they won here last season. And they've also, because we, did get the uh, FAI star club mark. They gave us a signed jersey from the Irish team, the Irish ladies uh, soccer team, which we not quite sure how we're going to do it yet. We might auction it off, but, you know, 
sell some tickets or stuff like that. It's just another way of uh, uh, developing some sort more of an income that's that's coming in. But that's sorry, no, that was like I'm trying to sell something there. I'm not trying to actually sell something physically, but what I am doing is really doing my best to promote the club because I'm a townie. I had no intention of getting involved in any soccer, going back to where I was or where I am or getting involved. But I'd have to say from the second or third week I came down there, the boat bit me and it bit me so much so that I'm in the committee now. Uh, Alan, Alan, can I just say you're an ambassador for your club uh, in so many different ways and we're delighted that you love American soccer. We're delighted that you joined us here on Scariff Bay Community Radio for 90 Minutes, the football show. Um, we're going we're gonna to leave you now. We have one more interview to get done before the 90 minutes are up. Uh, look, uh, can I just say thanks a million? And, and uh, you've, you've provided a, a most wonderful insight into the club. And uh, Luke is sitting here beside me, uh, how would you say, with, with a, an awful lot more knowledge than he had when we started this evening coming into, the, into our studio. We've, we've had all our heaters robbed by the other crew <laughs> from next door. So we're, we're sitting okay. in here and you're warming, you're warming the cockles in so many different ways, Alan. And uh, look, a big thank you, a big thank you to myself. And I'm sure all the listeners will certainly be very impressed with all the bits and pieces that are going on with Fern Celtic. And, what do you think, Luke? And best of luck going forward. Uh, we, we, we'll hope for a competitive oh, game against Tulla. You know, but we, 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 can't, we yeah. can't go against our East Clare clubs over here, but we'll wish you the very best of luck yeah. against them. That's so, understandable. Yeah. That's understandable. Listen, Alan, thank you yeah. so much for joining no, us this evening on the show. Uh, thanks very much for having me thanks a lot Tom. not a bother thank and you. the very best of luck for the rest of the season with Fern Celtic thank you very much thanks, thanks. a million thanks a million right welcome back to 90 Minutes the Clare Football Show here on Scariff Bay Radio I uh, hope you're all enjoying uh, how do you say all the different interviews we have from the clubs tonight um, I have Michael Clare on the phone, uh, direct pitch side, literally. They're just after finishing training over in Kilrush. Michael, thanks a minute for joining us here on the football show. Not the weather, thanks for um, giving us the opportunity to talk to you, Tom. Well, uh, we, we've we had uh, Robert Clancy uh, with us this evening as well, and he gave us a fantastic interview with regards to the history of Kilrush Rangers. You're, uh, how would you say, the manager of the senior team, basically, who are currently in the Premier League, and you had uh, you gave Newmarket Celtic a close shave there recently? Yeah, we played them last Sunday uh, here at home in Kilrush, and... Um we gave a good account of ourselves, all right. Now, having said that, uh, we played them in the Munster Junior Cup over in Newmarket uh, there in October, I think it was, and um, they beat us 2-1 there. And they came to us after that game because we were in the Munster Champions Cup the following weekend, and they said, thanks very much. That was the hardest game we've had all year. Uh, so we have ran them close a couple of times, and um, again, we ran them close again on Sunday here. Um, you know, so... It's a young team, and um, we're delighted with that result, and uh, it gives us a bit of hope because we've had a lot of bad, bad luck and lost games, two-one games, tight games, and you know it kind of gets in on the young lads uh, or, the, or the team, and that. But um, no, everybody's delighted with that result now on Sunday to, to run the current All Ireland Junior FAI Junior Cup champions that close and get a draw out of it, like you know, well deserved uh, to get something out of that game. So we're delighted with that. 
And do they still have some of their junior internationals playing for them? Uh, Owen yeah, Kelly, on, possibly up front? Owen Hayes, yeah. Sorry, Owen, Owen Hayes, Hayes sorry. On, Owen Hayes came on in the second half when we, we were 2-1 two, two down at halftime and we got a goal back in the second half and then they brought on Owen Hayes, David McCarthy and Dara Vahey to feel our, I suppose, your, your top guns, if you want to yeah, call them that. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um, the, uh, they got a, they got their third goal uh, in the 95th minute, and I went, oh my God, here we go again. Another great game, but nothing to show for it at the end of it. But fairness to our lads from the tip-off, we went straight up the pitch, forced the corner, ball was cleared, ball back in and back in the net. So we were delighted. It was, it was a great boost for all the lads who were very happy at the end of the game. Like. You know, we'll so, listen. Uh, it's, it's great battling qualities, you know, never give up. Yeah, and, and Robert was saying that you have a very consistent pool of players, really, that that stay with you, let's say, at that side of Clare. I mean, compared to, let's say, an Ennis side that, where you'd have players and they might move from from club to club. I mean, with Colour Rush Rangers, you have a core of players. You have, would, yeah, would, yeah. would you say that you have kind of players that would be seasoned from a point of view of, let's say, they, they know that, you know, come come the winter months and so forth, I know that you, you've probably got competition from footballers as well that that are dual yeah, sports. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, yeah. generally speaking, they're, they're, they're a fairly loyal bunch. We, uh, as you said, we have a big competition and traditional here in West Clare. Football is very strong. And uh, that's, a, that's a big factor in... You know that uh, the amount of players that we have, we have a core group of about seven or eight players. That soccer is our first game, and 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 that's it. And other players kind of come and go and fit in around their Gaelic and stuff like that. But we have a very very young team. Uh, Tom, I would say if we take the two oldest out of it, um, I'd say our average age is about 21, which is a very young and inex- inexperienced team. But they have talent and they are willing to learn. And they are willing to work hard at it. And that's, you know, that's the kind of player I want. Is a player that's willing to listen, a player that's willing to work at it. And um, I'd sooner bet than a, a guy that will fit in and fit out. And he might be a brilliant footballer, but his first, his first commitment is to the GA. And I have no problem with that. Uh, whatever your sport is, I, I, I don't mind if lad wants to play rugby or he wants to play soccer, if he wants to play GA or whatever sport it is. But like, we want to work with guys that are... Um, genuinely interested in uh, playing soccer with the Los Angeles and show up week in, week out. And I think this result is, is a big boost uh, and that it will help lads to kind of say, uh, you know what, we'll, 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 give this, uh, we'll stick with this and see how far we get. Like, cause we have a talented bunch. They're young, they're inexperienced. A lot of them are in college, a lot of them are working their way up the country and um, and that's the nature of things in West Clare. You know, it's it's, uh, it's hard to keep young lads you know, in East Clare and Ennisbeth you're close to Shannon, you're close to Limerick, whereas West Clare lads have to travel for work and travel to go to college and stuff like that. So it's not easy, like, you know, and, and then you're trying to get like football on top of that. It's not easy to keep it going. But we have a core group, uh, and while they are young, they're, 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 they're good workers and they're willing to listen and they're enthusiastic and, you know, we're happy to work with that as well, you know. And Michael, I'm going to ask you the tough question, and that is uh, key players. Three uh, key players that you would see 
as first on your team sheet week in week out that that give you that kind of foundation oh, yeah. in the right. side which would which would let's say you're I know there could be five there could be six there could be seven yeah. is there any three that come to mind if someone if you were sitting down and you were like give us three players that you would want okay. in your side week in week out yeah uh, I suppose first name I'll never put down on the, on the team sheet is Kirill Kirill Antonov Kirill is uh, from Ukraine He's back in Kilkee, and he came to us uh, last season. Uh, very little English, um, and uh, interested in playing football. And he had been playing football back in Ukraine before the war started, and had to had to get out of Ukraine. Uh, he's only 21. He was selected this year on the Oscar Trainer team, and he got as uh, always got a few minutes there against Kerry. He's a he's a very nice young lad. He's only 21, um, so he came to us when he was 19. Uh, his English has improved. The style of football uh, is completely different to what they play in Ukraine. They're more technical, they stand off, and we've had to try and train them to, you know, you have to close down the space. You can't give lads, especially in the Premier Division in, in, in soccer in Clare, because uh, the standard is quite high, and there's a big jump from coming from First Division to Premier Division. And you know that being involved in Mount Shannon. Oh, yeah, well. absolutely. The, absolutely. The standard is very high in Clare at the moment with, with Newmarket and with Avenue and that. And, and that's the standard we're trying to get to. So we had to, to, to take care of them. We had to talk to them and we had to explain to them, Carol, don't back off. Close down the space quick. Don't give them time to turn. Don't give them time to look. Because if you do, they'll, they'll, they'll get a shot off and, and get a goal. But Carol is a super talent and a very nice young lad. So he'd be the first guy to put down the, in the same sheet. And I may uh, I may miss it, Michael. What position does he play? He plays centre half. Okay. He can play. He can play midfield as well. Okay. And actually, last Sunday our left full back got injured, and I had to move Carroll to to left full back. And um, so from there he scored a goal. He scored a second goal against New Market uh, last Sunday. Excellent. Uh, another name I put down is um, he's our captain, uh, Patrick Clare. He's my own son. He's twenty five. He plays midfield. He's uh, played underage with Lifford all the way up along, and we're playing Lifford this weekend. As a matter of fact, the last team that he captained was Lifford under 15, 14 or 15 team. And uh, he's a uh, captain for us now uh, this season. And uh, he's playing very well in midfield. And um, he's a midfield, a midfield general and very cool and composed on the ball. He's only 25. And the third name is always down on the team sheet as well is uh, uh, another. Uh, He's a Polish guy, Norbert Knucki is his name, if I'm pronouncing his surname right. Uh, uh, and Norbert, um, Norbert was playing centre half, but uh, we decided, and he wanted he looked for the change himself. We decided to try him up front and see how he goes as well. And Norbert is um, he's settling in there because our main striker, what happened to last season, happened again this season. Our main striker got injured. Uh, he had eight goals scored and he broke metatarsis, so he's out for about another six to eight weeks as well. So we we, we threw Norbert up front to see how to go, and Norbert is playing well. And there's one other player I'll mention as well. And yeah. Norbert's only 22, and one other player I'll mention is Jamie Griffin. Jamie's a local lad from Kilrush, super, very stylish, very technical player. He's only 21. He's down in college in Cork, so hence. Friday nights uh, to, to facilitate these guys come back and be in time for training and that. And uh, Jamie got selected on the Oscar trainer team, but you know, being in college in Clark and coming back for training, that wasn't really on. But super talent, lovely player, and uh, I think would get onto any team in the county. Uh, so I, I'll give you four names. I'll give you those four names. 
Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying the 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 kind of the geographical mix that you have, you know, and even yeah, as yeah, I said, yeah. the commitment that's there. But it just freshens things up and it keeps things. You know what I mean? Uh, oh yeah. You know, it's it's great to have to have a player from a different country come and, as I said, add his style to your to yeah, your team yeah. and learn and also give something to the other players as well. And I, I think it keeps everyone fresh. It does indeed, and 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 very welcomed into the squad. And as, as I said, a key member of the squad now. Like and uh, lads, ask is is Carol is Carol playing this Sunday? Is Carol available this Sunday? Like once once Carol is available, yeah, they're relaxed about it because they know. Like uh, safe at the back with Carol there, like you know, because he has pace as well, and he, he could cover that like, because it's a mistake made, like you know. Brilliant. And, uh, no, it's, it's it's great that way. Like yeah, we've got a good uh, little team spirit going there. But as I said, they're young. A lot of them are learning, and it's tough to learn from their division. Uh, but they're learning quick, and uh, look battle stands them as well, you know. And tell me, what's your what's your hopes now for the remainder of the season? Will be let's say a run in the cup, or would it be finished as high as possible? Uh, in the league, well, obviously, survival yeah. would be would be the main thing every season. Survival is the main thing. We we got promoted uh, two seasons ago from the first division to the Premier Division, and we were the third team from the first division to go up. And people said to us, "Oh, probably too soon for you to go up. You probably hurt to stay in the first division again." And I said, "No, if we're if we're if we're qualified to go up, we'll go up and we'll see what it's like, and we'll do our best." So people were kind of those. As the ones, the obvious ones to go down last season, but we stayed up comfortably last season. Now we've had injury problems this season with our striker getting injured, but also our goalkeeper, and we've struggled all season to try and find a goalkeeper to cover for injuries. And so two goalkeepers got injured in us this season. Uh, one guy ended up in hospital um, and was seriously hurt, and he was in hospital for two to three weeks and was out of work for a month afterwards. And the other guy um, just got injured in training, not training with us now, but uh, got injured in training, and he's out for another four weeks. So, as you know yourself, Tom, the goalkeeper position is probably the most important position on the pitch. So, we've had to ask lads for standing goals, and like that's not on. No, it's never, it's never the same. Television. No, I was, I no. was, uh, let's say back in the day, I was always the number two, and uh, yeah, yeah, as I said, you. Yeah. But the thing is, I was also um, a goalkeeper. Whereas, let's say, yeah, if you have yeah. to get someone to stand in that isn't a goalkeeper, yeah, yeah. it's very yeah, difficult because it weakens a week, and your your own your own players know the story. Yeah. Whatever about the opposition, yeah. they they might say, "Jesus, yeah. your your man is going in goals, or he might be handy enough." But yeah, your own yeah. team know that uh, what you yeah. what you're putting in there. So it's a big it's a big yeah. deal to lose your keeper. It is, yeah. So so we've been unlucky there, but we we think we have that position covered now. We have a young lad as comes to us in the last couple of weeks, um, and he's very good and he's very interested. And we had a goalkeeping coach here. We're working with him tonight, and we hope to have him most weeks now. A uh, specialist goalkeeping coach. And, um, you know, he's willing to learn and we'll, we'll provide the opportunity for him to learn as well. But the main priority, as you said, Tom, is to stay up. Uh, but we're going game for game and we'll try and uh, win our games if we can or get something out of our games. And um, that's, we're not looking too far ahead other than we're looking forward to next Sunday going into Lifford. I managed underage teams in Lifford and as I said, both my sons played with Lifford for a number of years and I know all the Lifford people are lovely people and a lovely club as well. But, we go in there and do our best and whatever happens, happens, you know. So we just go game to game. Hopefully we'll stay up and, um, you know, we take it from there then. Like, you know, the main thing is to try and stay up and play in the Premier Division and get the experience and 
and uh, try and improve the football that we're playing. And we're working very hard at that. Uh, we have a strength and conditioning coach. We know the goalkeeping coach, and we're we're adding to it as we go along, like as well. You know, so that's that's our priority is to, to win the next game, and to, at the end of the season, hopefully, we've done enough to stay up. Well, listen, uh, Michael. I don't want to be cutting you short. Uh, we yeah. said it's a it's a, it's a, it's a show where things run over time uh, all yeah, the time. Yeah. But yeah, uh, no I know you've 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 taken uh, time out this evening with train and everything going on. It's yeah. a Friday evening. This is going to go uh, what you call it on the schedule for tomorrow, and it's going to be a podcast next week. And I'll send you the details right, in relation to that. But look, can yeah, I just so. say thanks a million uh, for joining us this evening here on the football show yeah. with Scarif Bay Community radio very best of luck for uh, the rest of the season and all your international crew both Irish and as I said everyone and uh, the goalkeeping coaches and everything strength and conditioning it's all warranted it's all needed in the modern game and look thanks a million for joining us tonight you're very welcome thanks very much for having us on Tom cheers Michael thanks a million best of luck bye 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 okay God bless bye bye